the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. January 7th, 2020. Bill Hemmer on Fox News yesterday morning said something clearly right. He said, it feels like something significant has changed in America today. That was after one Senate loss in Georgia yesterday morning. Then came the breaching of the walls of Congress. Then the loss of the other seat in Georgia. It's hard to put finger on exactly what the something is that changed, but it may just be the feeling of a regretted surrender. It may be the feeling of a great loss of accomplishment. It may be the coming to terms of something we've had a hard time coming to terms with, the change in the American political culture from center-right to liberal-left. I think the most important part of that phrase is culture. Keep in mind, after all, it was a pastor who beat a businesswoman in Georgia. And some pastor he was, a slightly more slick but also slightly more personally troubled version of Jeremiah Wright. Twelve years ago, Barack Obama knew Jeremiah Wright would not find favor in America. Today, the younger version of him and Raphael Warnock does find such favor. Any loss, of course, is hard to come to terms with, to admit, as any failure is personally as well as nationally. But I think two things. One is from Ann Landers. When you lose something, don't lose the lesson. The other, attributed to Winston Churchill, success is the ability to go from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Before we accept too easily the argument that this is Donald Trump's fault, these losses, Byron York points out how you've heard the argument a million times in the last four years. But remember... That Barack Obama, after two terms, left the White House, House and U.S. Senate in the hands of the opposition party, the Republicans. So did George W. Bush leave it in the hands of the opposite party. Voters get tired of presidents sometime and seek, sometimes and seek change. There can be a natural exhaustion to a certain level of success or massive victory even. Churchill himself was turned out of office after his successful steering of Great Britain and the free world to victory in World War II. You may be tired of the litany, but the sooner we accept it and understand it, the quicker I think our recovery. As Abraham Lincoln put it, if we could first know where we are and whither we are tending, we could then better judge what to do and how to do it. He said that in his House Divided speech in 1858. I'll come back to that in a moment. First, the litany. Education, almost all of it. Entertainment, almost all of it. Journalism and news media, almost all of it. CEO and corporate boardrooms, almost all of them. Professional athletics, almost all of it. They aren't just in the hands of liberals. They are in the hands of the left. We tend to shrug it off here and there. Oh, yeah, they want to change pronouns and maybe even create 50 different genders. Let them. Big deal. Oh, yeah, they want to force racial counts for admissions, jobs, board memberships. Let them. Big deal. Oh, yeah, they want to say a private entity that controls information for the public can censor an entire side of political discussion because it's private. Let them. Big deal. Oh, yeah, they want to tell 
us America is steeped in racism, so much so it's institutional. Let them. Big deal. Yeah, they want to call the president a fascist or a Nazi because he disagrees with one political perspective. Let them. Big deal. Oh, yeah, they want to profit off slave labor in China while lecturing us. We cannot go on because part of our country had slavery here up until 155 years ago. Let them. Big deal. Oh, yeah, schools want to teach socialism and distort American history to help do so. Let them. Big deal. And enough letting of them, and you lose a country, and the deal becomes big. Cultural institutions matter, after all. The left knows that, otherwise they would not have taken them over. Think about 8 million high school and college students graduating with these teachings every year for going on 30 years. You quickly get to a number well over 200 million. We are a country of 331 million. So let us remember our Montesquieu, quote, The deterioration of every government begins with the decay of the principles on which it was founded, close quote. Decay, interesting word, to decline or deteriorate over time. I know it's convenient and, in fact, true for us to say the problem is the left treat their ideological views as a religion or church, while we work and raise families and have real religions and churches that don't get involved in that sort of stuff. True enough, but the time to realize that politics can change a real religion or church is long past due. Just look at them. And the assaults on religious liberty, look at those too while you're at it. This is why I keep hammering home the view that our conservatism in America must be based on the teachings of conservatism that come from our founding principles in order to conserve not just those principles, but to conserve, preserve, and save America. Once we do come to grips with this, we will, in the words of Harry Jaffa, draw back the curtain of eternity and allow us as time-bound mortals to glimpse a divine purpose within a sorrow-filled present and tell us how our lives, however brief, can nonetheless serve a deathless end. Now, there is a certain consolation that in some patients, with some patients, we may be able to rely on it. It will only be temporary thing until we deploy conservatism root and branch back into our culture. It is this. The country will now experience a heavy dose of socialism, not as we warned, not in theory, as those things are harder to appreciate and convince people of, but in practice. In other words, the theoretical will be proven by the actual. Daniel Gladdington at the Washington Times put it this way yesterday, and I think there's something right about it and yet something wrong about it as well. He writes, the reason Mr. Biden will fail so soon is that many more millions than voted for him will realize and quickly that they made a mistake. In some ways, it will be a similar reaction was to the election of Jimmy Carter in 1976, when many of his voters quickly realized they'd screwed up. I agree with that. I'm not so sure I agree with what he writes next, which is this, quote, So why, how did we elect the wrong person both in 1976 and again in 2020? The exact reason for this was or is the focused public voter reaction on a single and very specific set of circumstances rather than as an endorsement of a generalized political agenda. Specifically, in 1976, it was the collective negative reaction to the Watergate scandal, the resignation of Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford's pardon of him. The earlier resignation of Nixon's vice president, Spiro Agnew, as part of a separate scandal, also contributed. Result? A single negative issue set, and Mr. Carter was elected. 
In 2020, we were and still are in the midst of a pandemic that has killed millions worldwide and perhaps hundreds of thousands in America. As such, it was understandably the most central and single significant issue of the election, and it alone primarily determined its outcome. Ergo, Mr. Biden, close quote. I think I disagree with that. We have more access to more intelligence than ever before in our history and at our fingertips. And yet too many succumbed to fear and safetyism. That's a change. It's a big change. A seismic cultural disruption. One could buy into the safetyism if they wanted to, but that's the key, wanting to. David Limbaugh put the state of the state well yesterday, writing, quote, no matter who wins, it's horrifying how many people, even in Georgia, a reliably red state, are unafraid of socialism and the rest of the crazy leftist agenda. That is chilling to me, close quote. Wanting to be afraid. Let me go back and say something about, about that, as if there were some form of security or surety or brotherhood or filiety in the concept of fear. A seismic change, as I said. We started out this country saying, give me liberty or give me death, pledging our sacred honor and lives for all that, right? We have the live free or die state, right? Later in the Civil War, North America, the, the North marched in America singing, as he died to make men holy, we shall die to make men free. Then in the 50s and 60s, better dead than red. Indeed, as recently as 1983, President Reagan was speaking of that and said as much in his evil empire speech with the story about a man who said he'd rather his daughter die believing in God than live in a country that ripped him away from her. Of course, too, Every member of the military knows all this. They sign up to die for something more important than themselves. In fact, for their country. That used to be a pretty universal ethic here. No more. We dip our children in, pure, in Purell, to quote Adam Carolla, and we protect them from ideas that do not conform to world views we oddly defeated in the long twilight struggle. And the idea we surrendered was our own. So odd, but so true. So we struggle today because we surrendered our own worldview of freedom and equality to one of the most noxious doctrines of the 19th and 20th centuries that has one common denominator, anti-Americanism. What Stalin and Khrushchev and Brezhnev could not do to us and our allies, we've done to ourselves. Think on that. And then think again of what Lincoln said early on. In his Lyceum address, if destruction be our lot, we ourselves, we ourselves, must be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we must live through all time or die by suicide. Close quote. One final word on the protests and riots yesterday that needs to be said. At least the media now understands that riots are a bad thing and not, as Chris Cuomo said last summer, not always important be peaceful. At least Democrats now understand the importance of law enforcement, as they kept begging for more of it yesterday, if they worked in the U.S. Capitol. One might even say Democrats also discovered the importance of barriers and walls. We conservatives need not apologize for being slow in denouncing riots or supporting and calling for more police or law enforcement. We've been consistent on that for a long time. I think the media and the Democrats do need to apologize. People will do what people do is a justification, permission for 
violence and rioting. And that's what Nancy Pelosi said in a response to being asked about riots in Baltimore last year. The shame is on them, not on us. It wasn't Republican leaders who yelled at a rally that Justices Sotomayor and Elena Kagan have released the whirlwind and that we are coming for them. Those exact words and threats, however, were shouted by Chuck Schumer at a rally about Justices Kavanaugh and Gorsuch. We denounced that kind of thing, that kind of importuning the Democrats, but the media did not. Finally, in what I'm saying, I know it's a little more difficult to reclaim some institutions over others, corporations, entertainment, journalism. It's a little less difficult to go after universities and a little less difficult, difficult yet to go into or back into our elementary and secondary schools. As I closed the show yesterday, I'll close this monologue today with a quote from Oliver Wendell Holmes. The mode in which the inevitable comes to pass is effort. Consciously or unconsciously, we all strive to make the kind of world we would like. And although we may consider criticism of the past futile, there is every reason for doing all that we can to make a future such as we desire. Let's get to work. I'm Seth Leibson. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Give us a call. I know a bunch of you uh, were trying to get on yesterday, and we just ran out of time. Let us know if you were on hold, and we'll put you right to the top of the list. Happy to do that. Also, um, boy, I'll tell you, you think about everything going on, and you think about that great speech. I didn't ask you to cue it up, Bill, so I'm sorry. Uh, Maybe for the next segment, uh, if you don't have it here. But Judge Leonard White from Bonfire of the Vanities, you know, with the mobs, you 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 want people to just kind of calm and 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 urge decency right now on all sides. And when there is a fire, you put it out, obviously, and you're going to have embers. But let's not stoke them, okay? Let's not stoke these embers. And I have to tell you, um. When Joe Biden says no one can tell me that if it had been a group of Black Lives Matter protesting yesterday, they wouldn't have been treated very, very differently than the mob of thugs that stormed the Capitol. We all know that's true and it is unacceptable. Close quote. We don't know that's true. There is no evidence. And I don't know why he is stoking racialism and putting race into this. There was a death, at least one death yesterday. And it's being investigated and it was of a white veteran, female. I don't know why he feels the need to go here. I don't know why he feels the need to get in front of the cameras today to say about the rioters yesterday, quote, they weren't protesters, don't call them protesters. They were a riotous mob. Uh, Yes, we, we all said that yesterday, and he said it, of course, yesterday. I don't know why he had to say it Again, because it rings so hollow, given what we all went through last year. We all went through last year. Something like 60 arrests have been made over the riots yesterday. Good. Good. Um, I will tell you this. I don't think you're going to find Republican leaders, Republican elected officials, 
helping to bail any of them out, not given all the denunciations against them, unlike the thousands and thousands who were arrested during last summer that elected officials like Kamala Harris did help financially bail out. I don't know, and we don't know yet, how many people were involved in breaching the U.S. Capitol yesterday. I am proud we all immediately denounced it, but we don't know how many there were. Where were those denunciations over the thousands upon thousands upon thousands? There were at least 16,000 arrests last year. Where were those denunciations? And yes, we are sorry. And oh my gosh, words fail to think about the 50 some odd cops and police yesterday that suffered injuries. Our hearts hurt for that. And people like Mike Gallagher have funds to help have 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 nonprofits that help cover the costs of injured and fallen policemen. Others do, too. Did Kamala Harris visit the stricken cop in California during the campaign when she went to California? No, she did not. 700 cops injured in the riots last year. 700. Where was the commentary for them? Did Joe Biden visit the cops that were injured? No, he did not. Did he say anything about them? No, he did not. Did she? No, they did not. So perhaps a little less preening right now. Did you see? I, did we need to see Michelle Obama's statement today? I'll read it to you. I woke up yesterday elated by the news of Reverend Raphael Warnock's election victory. He'll be Georgia's first black senator, and I was heartened by the idea that the senior pastor of the Ebenezer Baptist Church, the home parish of Dr. King, and a spiritual and organizational hub during the civil rights movement would be representing his state in the United States Senate. In just a few hours, though, my heart had fallen harder and faster than I can remember. Like all of you, I watched as a gang, organized, violent, and mad they'd lost an election, laid siege to the United States Capitol. I don't know that it was organized. They set up gallows. Okay. There were a lot of gallows set up with Donald Trump's head and face in front of the White House over the last four years. Have we ever heard a word about that? Have we ever heard a word about that? No. And then she goes on to say they proudly waved the flag of the Confederacy through the halls. These days, the day was a fulfillment of the wishes of an infantile and unpatriotic president who can't handle the truth of his own failures. Is that how first ladies talk about their successor presidents? Infile and unpatriotic president? Unpatriotic? Unpatriotic? Boy, the days of questioning the patriotism of the left are long gone. The days of questioning the patriotism of Republicans and the right, I suppose, are now in vogue if you're a Democrat. It's... It's really very unhealthy and not the way you want to start this thing this year. It just isn't. We should be about calm and decency, not stoking more fire here, Michelle. I think one more 
massively problematic issue is Michelle Obama's in Michelle Obama's statement is how much she ties Reverend Raphael Warnock to Martin Luther King and the Ebenezer Baptist Church, which gets three mentions in her brief statement. Dr. King would have no truck with Raphael Warnock and what he said about it, what he has said about America. Raphael Warnock embraces and has embraced Jeremiah Wright and has spoken of America as a GD country. Martin Luther King spoke of America as a glorious place and a wonderful country. It shows you the second law of political thermodynamics, I guess. The decay. The decay in understanding history. And just because something has the same name or it's the same physical and geographical location, has the same, someone has the same job that Martin Luther King had at that church, they are not in the same moral league whatsoever. I don't think Martin Luther King was making $350,000 a year as the pastor, senior pastor of the Ebenezer Baptist Church either, as Raphael Warnock is. It's an astounding thing to me. We'll have more to say about all of this in a few moments. First to your calls, Rick is in Phoenix. Hello, Rick. Hello there, Seth. I uh, am always pleased to talk to you, even though it is at a time when things are disheartening and we are sighing for our country. We are uh, sighing for our country. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, Rick. I haven't heard that phrase yet. We are sighing for our country. Yeah, yeah. that's a good way to put it. I think we're praying, too, right? Yes. Uh, We're praying and sighing. Um, And in that prayer... What are we asking for? Of course, God save the United States of America. I yes. think it, it, you, you, you know this world much better than I do, Rick, but I suppose if I were ask for, asking in prayer for what this country needs right now, I would say calm and decency. Calm and decency. I've always loved the word decency because yes. it's unlike other words that I, I can think of. It's kinda, it kind of always tells you what, the, what, what it is. When you ask yourself what's the decent thing to do, it always kind of becomes obvious quickly. Yeah. Well, I agree with you. That should be a part of our prayer. I think perhaps the greatest need that we have is for a return to the truth. Okay. And you mentioned that you didn't know why—I think you said something to the effect you didn't know why Joe's— Joe Biden would, you know, relate this situation to racial, yeah. bring in the racial... Yeah, I probably did say it that way. I probably did. I could hear myself doing that. Well, sure. and I would suggest to you, uh, Seth, that the reason, we know the reason, and I know you know the reason. You, you know the story of the scorpion and the frog. I do. Yeah. And that is the nature of our leftist democratic opponents they and you also mentioned in your monologue that uh you you hoped or you you thought that maybe with the events of yesterday the left would finally see that uh riots or protests are a bad thing no they won't no they won't they, i i, I kind of was tongue and a, a little i not not so much tongue-in-cheek but i was just pointing out 
you know, that while their effort right now is to put collective responsibility on every Republican and or Trump supporter in the country, that it is not we who have something to apologize for when it comes to riotous behavior, because we've been denouncing violence and riots for an awfully long time, and their silence has been deafening when it Absolutely. was needed and, most. And I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah, yeah. no, I know you're uh, not. I, I just I, wanted to what, clarify. What I'm yeah. saying is that yeah. we, we, just, we, we have to remember the nature of this opponent that we face. And you mentioned in your monologue that it was, it was uh, Chuck Schumer, yeah. <laughs> not Mitch McConnell, that was out there uh, fomenting violence yeah. against the Supreme Court. Yeah, last know? year he said, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, you have released the whirlwind and you right. will pay the price. Yeah. What could yeah. he possibly have meant by that? Yeah. And so what we have to remember is that we are facing an opponent who whose nature is fundamentally different. They don't believe America is a good country. They want to fundamentally change America. And their uh, motivation appears to be that anything that works toward that end, in their view, is acceptable. Hold that that thought. Hold that thought. And I want to get in some others as well. I want to come back to you on that, Rick, because it does it, it raises a question to me. You say it's in their nature, and I understand it's certainly in their tradition, but it's not natural in a sense. And maybe you can help explain this to me, too. It's not natural to hate your country. It's a weird thing that you have to be carefully taught, and I think you have to assume that they're using it as a wedge issue. Race is a wedge issue for political – it's not gain anymore. They've gained it all. They have the House and the Senate and the White House. It's not gain. Maybe sustenance. Maybe sustainability. We'll come, we'll come back on all this. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. By the way, you want to see a life of steady and calm. And calm is one of the big words I'm pushing today. Um, it's the life of Herman Cain. I, I knew Herman. And yes, he was a man always at ease and peace with himself. The movie is Poor to CEO, the incredible journey of Herman Cain, available only now, uh, excuse me, only at SalemNow.com, SalemNow.com. It has the story, Poor to CEO, the incredible journey of Herman Cain. And if you're looking for some entertainment, I really recommend it. I think it's one of the most inspirational uh, productions, entertainment films of the last year. Uh, Herman Cain, uh, as you know, passed last year. He candidate for president, CEO of Godfather's Pizza, radio broadcaster, highly successful, and just a good life. You know, Aristotle talks about um, how to teach character. You teach it by putting people of character in front of children. This is a man that you want to follow. Uh, SalemNow.com. Make sure to use promo code Phoenix. And save 20%. I was posing a question to Rick on something he said in Phoenix here. Rick, uh, you're still with yep. us? Still with you. So still the question, you, you, you were saying that when the left engages, or even, let's just say, the Democratic Party engages in this continual redounding to racializing every incident, um, that it's, it's, it's part of their nature. 
I, I agree on one level, and on another, I think it, it needs something more because it's not natural, right? It's not natural to hate your country, but you're on to something about this because the phrase that drove the left so batty four years ago was making America great again. Andy Cuomo, you will recall, said truth is America was never that great. So right, you're on to right. something about this. But I think it's more political than natural. I think it's a um, I think it's a it's it's a sign of the debate I have with so many friends, most recently my buddy Jim, about where America is and how left wing it's gone, how left wing right. it's become, <coughs> I yes. should say. And it's an appeal to that, isn't it? To denigrate America is in vogue now. Yeah, well. That and also, you know, I recall, I think it was Andrew Breitbart who said politics is downstream from culture. Mm -hmm. So from my perspective, what has happened, and you, I think, mentioned this in your monologue or your afterlog, that uh, there are forces in the world who for years have hated America and sought to bring it down. Mm Mm-hmm. And you know how Abraham Lincoln said uh, that that that, we that can only do happen. it to ourselves. It would have to happen yeah. from within. Yeah. yeah. Well, what has happened is that they have infiltrated and educated and permeated so many people in our culture that their culture, that the, the left's culture and the Democrats' culture, has now come to be the natural state of their perception of things. Thus, you get a Warnock elected. I mean, that is mind-blowing. Right, right. It's mind-blowing. I was saying this earlier in a conversation. It's mind-blowing to think the Democrats thought it was a good idea to put him forward unless they knew something we didn't, and they evidently did. They evidently did. A guy who is not only politically so far to the left— but ethically yeah. and immoral right. and everything. Right. I right. mean, what right. else could you find right. that would disqualify him well, from yeah. position? Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, unbelievable. And so that's why it seems to me that we have, and, and Joe Biden is included in this because uh, his nature is such that he is very malleable yeah. and he goes with, what he hears from those around him, and so he puts this racial stuff out there, even though he himself has got to be one of the biggest racists. Well, that we I, I, I think what Mirren Goff said once was right. It's not that Joe Biden is a, a centrist. It's that he's always in the center of where the Democratic Party is. Yes. And yes. where the Democratic Party is right now is not where it was. Yeah, It's absolutely. a different party. Well, Seth, Thank listen, I, I want to start the year off telling you how deeply and greatly I appreciate you, and I want you to know that you are in my prayers. I pray that the Lord will give you the wisdom and the guidance that you need to accomplish your educational and motivational work. That's really beautiful, Rick. Thank you. God bless you, sir. You are sir. welcome. Thank God you. bless you. I take that very meaningfully. It means a lot. Mike's in Carefree. Hi, Mike. Hi, Seth. Thanks for taking my call. Surely. I, I noticed during your statement, you said Joe Biden said that it would been totally have been treated totally differently if it had been Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And I, I, th- I think to agree with him. Really? Because ask yourself this question. Yeah. If, if the Capitol Police had shot an unarmed black veteran, 
Correct. Do you think we'd have? Do you think we'd have a calm today? We no. No. I think I think it would be sacked like the War of 1812. Correct. You're right about that, Mike. No, you're right about that. You're right about that. That 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 sad and tragic death, which I guess we're still learning about the 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 the, the conditions of it or what what brought it about. Uh, but you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And it's and it's and it's an unfortunate thing because um, we don't think one life is more important than another in this country. Right. In fact, we started our country saying exactly that, didn't we? Exactly. The first first sentence of the Declaration of Independence. Mike, that's a really very, very, very good point. I just th- I have this is one what other statement. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Go right ahead. Um, uh, you know, I think that we have to be cautious. While I am uh, a believer that, you know, that uh, violent protests should be met with violence quickly and completely. That being said, in the scheme of things, I did not see any Molotov cocktail. Evidently, so evidently, yeah, I I take your point well, Mike. Uh, Evidently, there were some improvised explosive devices found outside of the RNC and DNC. So uh, people didn't know. But I did hear one congressman say yesterday in response to a question as to why there wasn't more resistance from the police. Um, he said, well, they were ordered. They were ordered to um, not use any lethal force if they were not facing a lethal threat. I, I'm not experienced enough to know here, you know, what that order should have been or whether that was right or not. I'm just not. But... You're also right to point out, Mike, that what we saw over the summer was not what we saw yesterday. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Keith is in Atlanta. Hello, Keith. Hey, Seth. How are you doing? I'm well, sir. How are you? Hey, I want to second the prayer for you, you that your caller uh, two oh callers gosh. ago said. Thank you. I mean... You're going to get it, too, because being a talk radio person, I do think they're going to put some legislation in there that's going to really shut down talk radio and the free speech of it. It's going to come. They try every now and again. They really do. And we're going to we are the last. I was saying this to my GM this morning. You know, we are the last institution that has not been taken over by the left. So, yeah, they're, they're going to try again. You bet. And there's two points I wanted to make. And. One is about the the left being filled with hate, and and the second point is Biden, how he can actually bring the country together. Okay. Um, The left left is driven by hate. Have you ever seen any liberal that's in leadership that's a joyous person? Look at AOC. Look at Pelosi. Look at Schumer. They are so yeah. They are not filled. happy warriors. You are right about that. Look at uh, look at uh, Bernie Sanders. No, they, they they yeah. You're right. You're right. They they should be happy. Even Stacey Abrams right. should be happy. Yeah. But she's an angry person. Hillary Clinton. She, yeah. Yeah. They want to. And the thing is, now that they got power, they want to exert exert their pain on us, mm-hmm. make us suffer. And they really are going to go after. Believe it or not, they're going to go after Trump and the people who support him. They're sure. going to make an example sure. of us and sure. him. Sure. And 
And I think that that's one of the big reasons why the Democrats have had hatred towards Christians for so many years, because Christians are independent, and we're pretty much happy. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, there's a joy, right, a joy. And they and they don't like people being happy, and that's and it's right. sad. You can't radically people. transform if you're happy, right? You have to be right. Angry and we and we something. want to serve the Lord, right? And that's what they're angry with. They want us to serve them. Yeah. They want us to worship yeah. them. Yeah. And we don't. We won't. We we our final step is we will refuse to submit to um, anything that's non godly. We won't. We will not do that. And they hate that. And my last point is about Biden. I really do believe Biden can unify the country if he did just something, just two simple things. If he came out and condemned all rioting, mm-hmm. and he said, beginning with the people in the summer, yep. I condemn all this stuff that's happened, even from Antifa and um, Black Lives Matter. This, because he called it just a thought. He said it was just a thought. He should come yeah, out. Yeah, he said Antifa was an idea. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. And he should say, I was mistaken right. about this. Right. This is a, a darn You're on to something paper. big here. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, no, this is and big. He, he needs to put this but, thread together. And he also needs to condemn Pelosi for tearing up the speech. You bet. And condemn Maxine right. Waters for telling people right. to go after conservative right. people and harassing That's right. them. That's right. It's what gave Bill Clinton credibility in 92. It's called the Sister Soldier Moment. For those of you maybe not old enough to remember, go look it up, where he denounced a violent rapper at a Jesse Jackson conference. We'll be right back. Thank you.